time, weather, and... Always Welcome to the Jay and Pav Podcast Experience. You're listening to The Staff Room Podcast with Che and Pav. We talk casually yet poignantly about the most relevant topics in teaching today. So come on and chat with us because we love to engage in great conversation. Welcome to episode 88 of the Staff Room Podcast. We've got a bit of a controversial topic for you today. Is it controversial? I don't know. We'll see. We're talking about a concept called learning loss and discussing where this idea stems from and whether or not it's something of concern as we emerge from our COVID-19 hibernation. So I'm very excited to dive into this chat, but before I can do that, I should probably introduce myself. My name is Pav Wander, and I'm Pav from the dynamic duo known as Che and Pav. You may be able to guess who my co-host is, but I'd never presume to introduce him. Oh no, that's his job. Pav, mm-hmm. Pav Wander, <laughs> Wander, <laughs> Wander, I see what's happening, <laughs> Wander, <laughs> you're supposed to keep quiet, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I think we can all relate to that right now. Everyone yes. can relate. And like, and you know, I thought everyone would have made the Ferris Bueller reference, but everyone's like, no, that was me on a Zoom 15 minutes ago. Yes. <laughs> that was literally me this morning. Are you there? 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 Yeah. Are you there? Indicate in the chat. Put a finger, uh, not a finger up. <laughs> That's actually put what a, happened. <laughs> put a hand up. Anything. Please breathe into your mic. Just give me a sound. Anything. Please change your name on the face of your Zoom. <laughs> It it truly is oh just aggravating some days. <laughs> just you just want something back. But my name is Che. Oh yeah. <laughs> the Hurricane Cheney and I am 50% <laughs> of this dynamic duo of the Staff Room podcast. I tried to I tried to th- fake it that I really am 50%, but no one comes here for Che. Actually, my mother does. <laughs> yes, But it's true. just solely so she can criticize. It's good feedback. It's good feedback. Um, because I've learned a lot from my mother saying, why do you keep repeating yourself? That was like in the first three episodes. You can drop that now. Uh, I have no time for your facts. 
when my fiction is so much more relevant. But Pav, you're right. We, you, you, t- you're right. <laughs> Period. Stop. End episode. Full stop. Um, this idea of learning loss. I'm not sure if it's as controversial as maybe as it was when we started to contemplate it. You know, some Mm -hmm. of our topics, we float around for a little bit. I think of toxic positivity. We knew we were doing that. We just needed some time to work some things out and, and, and investigate and do some research. The imposter experience episode was another one where we knew we wanted to talk about. It just took a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. And learning loss was something we wanted to talk about. We just needed to to grapple with it a little bit. And I think we're at this moment, as the school year is winding down. There's a lot more reflections out there. There's a lot more people asking how, were your, how your year was in that social media space. There's lots of conversations surrounding around the idea of what was the year like? What were the, the gains? What were the losses? And there's been a lot of conversation around, you know, this concept, this notion of learning loss. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that it is one of those topics. And and definitely when we first started hearing about this idea of learning loss, and there's there's been this conversation about how much learning students lose over the summer. And this is sort of, you know, ongoing conversation, but it's never anything that we ever take seriously because they pick it up so quickly, right? So it was it was one of those things that when, when the conversation began about learning loss after COVID-19, um, I, I found myself getting very anxious. And I think that this is where the controversy uh, sort of stems from um, because because it is, and as we'll get into, so compliance-based. There's, there's so much um, expectation that students have to cover a certain amount in a, in a year and it's on the teachers to make sure that that is being covered. And I found myself really worrying because we were moving so slow as a class. And every time we had to switch from face-to-face to virtual, back to face-to-face, back to virtual, we would lose a couple of weeks of time in that transition. And, um, and, it, and it really started to weigh on me. And I started to worry about, well, how am I going to catch everybody up? How am I going to cover the entire curriculum? How am I going to do all of these things? And I think I started feeling that anxiety And there really wasn't any need for me to be feeling that anxiety because the more we discussed about this concept of learning loss, the more we realized it's not a thing. It's it's not something that we really need to be worried, worried about. So many great points. I got some notes here. Uh, Now, is that does that count? Can I check this off? Is that your anecdote? Is that, is, I, I suppose we can count it as an anecdote, but I know that you also have a little bit of an anecdote. I wasn't as clear on what my anecdote. We know we use our anecdotes to sort of preface how we got here, and I think we'll give some. We'll we'll give uh, due to what brought us to this space is yeah. probably the work of Sinil Singh. That's right. Who we've interviewed previously and we've referenced a few times, but it was one of his blogs in March that. Uh, and if you follow Sinil Singh, he he's aggressive. Yeah. Good, good, aggressive. Yeah. He's he's what I would call a true disruptor, and he's a disruptor that followed suit on it in the essence that he his frustration with the system of education propelled him to leave 
the field of education and to be able to continue to take really poignant shots while he collectively works sort of in a philosophy that he feels true to. And he wrote a stunning blog, and Pav, you can pull that out, a blog entry in mid-March that we read, and I think since then we've like, how can we turn this? But why don't you give us this, the title of that blog and we'll, we'll tag it into the episode later. Yeah, so it was about end of March, March 28th, falling behind is a dangerous myth of compliance and control in education. And this was published on his uh, on his blog on on Medium, and uh, yeah, like uh, like you mentioned, it was March twenty eighth. And so that puts us here in our conversation. I think if the idea of learning loss, if you are subscribing to the idea that students have not picked up certain standards, they haven't met certain criteria to check off on the box, I would probably argue that. You and you or me or we or who, it's not for me to point fingers, although I'm pointing a finger, um, have cemented the system, are protecting the system, are ensuring a comfortableness for the system. And the system is the standards, the Mm -hmm. curriculum, Mm -hmm. the assessment pieces, the pedagogies, and that in all of this COVID-19 disruption, which one could probably argue is the only real disruptive force that education has seen in 50 years, I just put that number out there, that the idea of learning loss is cemented in the idea that the system is untouchable, and that what the system has in place is infallible. And you could probably argue, you know, you talked about that, Pav, there are certain math strands and expectations we will not explicitly touch upon mm-hmm. and so is that a loss right. because we realize in grade eight or in grade six and grade seven these are the list of expectations we are mandated to hit mm-hmm. and ultimately if you feel that it is of such importance that they need to be hit then we are protecting the system we are validating the system we are ensuring that the system the expectations the assessments we do the pedagogy we believe in are all untouchable and all perfectly in place. And so everything else around it that can't support that or can't maintain a certain level, you would use the word loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic point. And, and that's, that's ultimately what it's all about. This is where the, the idea stems from, and then this is where all of the anxieties then stem from. Because I, I have to admit, I've had the thought many, many times. And then over the course of the year, I have begun to, first of all, realize that um, I'm moving up with these students into the next grade. And so what loss is there? Because I'll be picking up where I left off. So um, I, I can just cover whatever I need to cover. And then, and then we take a look at the big picture. Um, did my students actually lose anything uh, that, that is going to be um, of, of pertinence, of importance to them as they move into high school? So did I do my part in teaching them how to find resources uh, and and materials available to them on the internet in order to facilitate their own learning? Yeah, I, I can definitely check that off. Were they able to create content? Were they able to learn different forms of software, of uh, creation of media? Were they able to learn new technologies this year, which will definitely be helping them, um, not just in their schooling years, but in their adult years as well? 
Uh, yeah, check mark, a big time check mark. We've done a lot of learning in that in that area. Probably more learning in those areas that I've ever taught students in my entire career. So um, I think that what many teachers have done is taken this notion of um, the the content from the curriculum, but and then kind of flipped it because we've had to teach so much other new content this year that isn't necessarily part of the curriculum. But as you, as you mentioned, uh, so eloquently, Che, these are all parts of the system. We're just upholding the system. When we say that we are teaching the curriculum, we have to touch on all of these strands, but there is so much learning that we can do in within a year and which we have done. I can definitely say that you and I have both and many other teachers that we have talked to over the course of this year have done so much, so much teaching surrounding other things that are outside of the curriculum, but are going to be absolutely necessary for students as they mature into older grades and then into adulthood as well. Pat, have you touched on uh, so many great things? I, I, I jotted some notes down because you, you stole a bunch of mine. You must oh. have just read mine. Apologies. Um, our students have been learning, and, mm-hmm. and learning is about that cognitive process. It's about those synergies in the brains. It's about creating a foundational of, of long-term memory. And at no point, as you highlight, has students not been learning. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the ability to dive in and be curiosity, inquiry, exploration, question, playing, exploring. These are all foundational components of everything we've been doing in new platforms, in new spaces, maybe touching upon new curriculum or different ideas, bigger ideas. Maybe um, part of this disruption has also been the reawakening of social justice. And perhaps students diving deep into social justice takes us a little bit away from archaic standards, but it ignites curiosity, passion, questioning, and these are forming, like the cognitive processes going on in in students' learning is perhaps measurable, immeasurable, but certainly not at any sort of loss. And so we fixate on what, like, there. all of a sudden, there's a hierarchy of learning, and what are we giving more value to? And if you haven't hit these hierarchical standards, arbitrary standards picked up, then we assume some sort of loss. And then I had my notes here. When we start talking loss, we start putting ourselves into a deficit language, a deficit uh, mindset. And we think we have anxieties. Start thinking of the anxieties or pressures we're putting on our students. If we articulate that there's somehow some loss or some gap or something that needs to be made up. And then what the pressure we're putting on our students and the students coming into school thinking that maybe they haven't really ascended to where they're supposed to ascend. Like what a false sense we're building in them that they've missed something, that they've got to catch up. And then you start getting into silly notions of you got to work harder to catch up. We start fixating on really... It's that deficit language. And you're right. Students grow up with that feeling ingrained in them that they're they're never going to be good enough because they're all, always trying to catch up. And I think that that is a very dangerous notion to be putting in students at such a young age. It indicates that they are not good enough and that they can only... And, and it also indicates that whatever learning that they can do in their lifetime has to be done at school. 
we, we start using that kind of deficit language like, oh, we didn't, we didn't teach everything that they needed to teach or they didn't learn as much as they needed to learn, um, that, that really puts the onus on the school uh, and the responsibility on the, the, the students to be learning within the school environment. And we all know that that's not, that's not where all learning happens. Learning happens everywhere. And you highlighted such amazing points about the, the play and the exploration and the inquiry, the curiosity, the social justice. These are things that we've all hit on a number of times throughout the school year. And we've used these. Um, and, and so of course we, of course, students have been learning. They absolutely have been learning. So I think that you're, you're very right. And then creating that pressure on our students really, it, it creates a dangerous mindset in students that they, they carry with them over time, that they just didn't catch up and they always go through their schooling, just trying to keep up and catch up. And what are they necessarily even keeping up or catching up to? They're just arbitrary standards that have been set up. What are we trying to protect and what type of compliance are we trying to maintain over our students by leveraging the fact that they've got gaps? And it reminds me of a phrase we heard on Voicehead Radio the other night on the Anti-Racist Book Club. They talked about, there's no learning loss. What there is, is an educational debt. And that, that switches it. That puts the leverage on students, individual students and communities. It's not that they have a loss. It's that we have an educational debt that needs to be paid back. Mm-hmm. We need to provide quality learning opportunities, quality learning settings, and we need to celebrate success and genius. And so we switch our framework by thinking there's no loss that we've got to catch up, that we can leverage over people. Actually, you want to know that's got to, it's got to be paying back? The system's got to be paying back. It's uh, that educational debt. It's time for us to kick into high gear to celebrate and provide great opportunities for our students and change that language to we owe you. Not you've got to catch up. Yes, and and that is definitely a shift that um, I think maybe it's heading there. We definitely have shifted our thinking in that way. But as we were preparing for this episode, I started doing a little bit of research, as I do, as we both do, to get ready for our episodes. And, um, and I started looking up um, learning loss and finding some articles from a few years ago, because this is a concept that I have heard of over the summer. But of course, we don't put a lot of emphasis on this because it is summer. And... Um, I, and the way that I always had thought of learning loss over the summer was, well, are they really unlearning anything during the summer? What I like to think is they're forgetting all of the fluff that they never needed in the first place. They're not unlearning anything. And and the way that I, I think of that is it's like your ear piercing hole that closes up if you don't wear earrings. It's if, if you haven't learned, you are not forgetting anything that you learned. You're just forgetting the things that you never really needed in the first place. And so it's, um, it's those articles that I found in the beginning of my research. And I went a couple of years back. I tried to find things that are a little bit older because I wanted to know where this sort of stemmed from. And it was very interesting to me that a lot of these articles were supporting, uh, learning loss is a thing, but it was because it was coming from companies of like tutoring companies, people who wanted parents to be spending that money in the summertime to get their kids caught up on something that just didn't even really exist. 
And so I'm, I'm, and as it got into COVID-19, a little bit later into COVID-19 and closer to the last couple of months, a lot of the material that I'm finding is that it's not a thing. Learning loss is not a thing and it's actually dangerous to be putting that out into students to, to think that they are, they're, they've lost some sort of learning and to make teachers believe that they are responsible for catching up students that have lost learning. The root of everything is money. Is money. That's, that's such a great find. Remind me of Tony Kornheiser that's always talking about that. We can have all these debates, but if you just follow the money, mm-hmm. you'll inevitably find a, you know some great, huge system uh, creating this false narrative of what's needed. That's, those are some fantastic finds. Pav, when I was thinking, I would start, I, you know, I'm trying to tell you what students are learning or not learning or where they're going, inquiry, exploration. And so I, I turned to myself and I realized, well, in my 20 years of teaching, the, the growth has been exponential. I know we've talked about this for a handful of reasons, and the podcast is a big thing with that and being on the drive and, and being connected. But you could probably also articulate that this disruption has also been crucial for our learning. Mm-hmm. You know what? I don't know the science curriculum any better than I knew it 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I do know a lot better. The Google Suites, mm-hmm. Desmos, Flipgrid. I got to go to my list. I actually start to jot down all the new things we've been in this year. Kahoot vocabulary, the I, the concepts of asynchronous learning and seeing it work. Mm-hmm. Um, we gave that example last week with the mosaic, that student that in the real time just wasn't diving into the event and then just showed up with the activity done and, a, and his, own, his own YouTube how-to video constructed. And on a bigger scale, he just, he was so comfortable with web pages and making videos. And these were all new skills that I had learned, like new platforms, um, my focus on SEL beyond just performative nature has increased. My interpretation of toxicity and wondering how is it manifesting in the school. Uh, our dialogue on imposter experience related to our students. Mm-hmm. Uh, the social justice access points. And I call those um, access points because tech and COVID provided real access for our students to see it. You know, we teach in a racialized community and they're aware but sometimes they're almost they're they're disconnected to it because it's their reality. And so sometimes they 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 have a sense that yes this is their reality and they don't always see how disproportionate it is. This access to COVID and tech has really been an eye opener for myself, but also an eye opener for them. Although these are things that they knew, but there's still such value in seeing it. And then when you see it and you understand it, I'm certain my students are much more in tune with social justice and their identity and willing to disrupt because they've seen through the gaps in tech and the, and the disproportionate representation of COVID in our community has given them an access to realize I am going to stand up for myself rather than just feeling it's so daunting. That's just a sense I have. And I think of all these things that have changed me, and I'll go one more, assessments. Like my, my certain assessments that I've always felt that I haven't really been test oriented, but in the virtual space, I've not done a single test. I found all kinds of other ways to try to manufacture uh, different styles of assessments. 
And so if I know I've changed this much, you know what? I haven't hit all my teaching standards. If I was doing a TPA this year, I guess it would be horrible. And then I would argue, but why is it horrible? Why is the system unwilling to bend or realize that we have been gifted? Mm -hmm. We have been gifted a chance to disrupt our system because it's just, it's like a batting practice fastball thrown in at 86 and you can smash it. Is that a sports reference? Yes, it was. Sorry, we have been gifted this opportunity. I, I felt it was fine because you made the earring reference or I wouldn't have gone there. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? Um, I'm just, I'm Fashion? Gi- I just provided justification. I'm a girl? No, just the fact that you used a reference that wasn't educational-based to bring understanding. <laughs> okay. Look at you trying to throw me under the bus here. Wander. Wander. Um, and so I, I thought of that as we've been gifted this opportunity to disrupt and change yes. and challenge everything. And so are we going to take it? So I know now when I was thinking about students and I come back, I think about myself, infinite growth infinite learning. But if I were to say I'm doing a TPA this year, I probably missed a bunch of my TPA things that I should have done. So change the TPA. It's time for that to be gone. It's time for us to challenge our standards and really think about celebrating student genius because they've all learned, as you commented earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And, and another thing that I, you know, I thought of while you were speaking there was who's to say that they haven't been learning on their own? Who's to say that we've been providing them with the only learning that they've had uh, this 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 school year, even during this COVID time? You highlighted such amazing points about all of the things that we've learned how to do during this this time that we've had uh, this year and a half, and and I have to say that much of that learning, um, if not all of it, was self directed learning. So who's to say that our students haven't been self-directing their learning as well during this time? I know for a fact that many of my students have learned how to create animations and make their own videos and have been using those in uh, to do presentations. I didn't teach them that, but they did learn it this year. They've been sharing with me that they've learned it this year. Um, my own son has learned how to code this year which was completely self-directed. He was introduced to Scratch. Nobody taught him how to use Scratch. He used it for the very first time and then started coding his own games. Little funny story that I told you about earlier this week, Che. He then, um, he came to me and he said that nobody has liked any of my, any of my games that I created on Scratch, that he taught himself how to code. Uh, and my son is seven. And uh, and I felt really bad when he came to me and said that nobody likes his games and nobody has, I don't know, remixed his games. I don't know this lingo. And then uh, so I said, oh, you know what? Send me the links to those. And he sent me them and I pasted them in my Google Classroom and I said, hey, this is from my seven-year-old son. Please play these games and provide him with constructive feedback on how to make his games better. And guess what? That same day, many of my students actually provided him with feedback. And my son came back to me and said, Mom, your class is epic. And I said, tell me more. And he said, they gave me so much great feedback and I've been able to make my game so much better. And this is all stuff 
that that ha- this learning has happened outside of the classroom. So who is to say that students are not doing this learning on their own? We know that they have been engaging in social justice conversations. We know that they have been playing and exploring and taking some of these things that we have introduced them to, and maybe not even us introducing them to, but maybe they've seen them elsewhere and just rolling with it. And they have learned, they have taken this time to potentially, um, grow their own knowledge base based on things that they see happening around them. And that is playing, that is exploration. And we cannot assume that we have the, been the ones that have been doing all of the teaching this year. So he didn't take my advice. What was that? Well, I said, if you want more likes, make an app that's uh, for Chan Pav and the Staff Room Podcast. Oh, no, I did. I did tell him to make an app. And okay. he said, Mommy, I don't know how to make an app. And I said, give it two years. I'll give him four months. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or, or I'll give him four months. You, you interpret how as, as you want. Okay. Um, four months. Um, one, you, this is the last time we share notes because you just keep taking my great ideas. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Notice how I just, you know, patted myself on the back there. <laughs> and now it's in dispute who had these ideas. But I, I commented here is that this idea of loss and this responsibility in the teacher, it does reek a little bit of saviorism, of centering yourself. These students can't learn without me. I must fill these gaps you've lost. I shall do it. (laughs) We're up at dawn. Ish. Uh, And I had those notes there that... Uh, rooted in this idea of loss and this idea of leveraging loss that I'm going to fill this is is centering yourself, centering the system, because as much as we say the system, we are the system. Mm-hmm. We are the system um, until we actively dismantle the system. And only at that point are you placed as sort of uh, an architect of change. And so I sort of thought a little bit, it reeks with a little bit of saviorism, a little bit too much of scenting ourselves. And you talked about that when our students are learning all over the place. Now, Pav, I also had here in my notes, I don't want to, and I know we'll get to a break here in a second. I don't want to dismiss the idea that some days aren't all that productive and they're frustrating. And you and I will switch messages and say, uh, and you know, my class is exceptionally small this year for some of these social justice issues. Um, and yours is the same way, except, you know, a little bit of, I don't even know how to explain it, right? It's two classes, multiple teachers, but technically you're supposed to have that cap. Mm-hmm. Um, but my cap has meant that I have even a smaller class. And then I'll have days where kids, they're just not showing up. They're just not there. So in the heat of the moment, you feel like maybe it's not working. And I think this conversation isn't about to say that kids are always, or you no, know, like, we aren't necessarily always seeing stunning successes that we can put out in social media every hour. Part of sort of that growth is like wealth. As we are collectively growing, there are days where the money drops, mm-hmm. where there's students that don't log on, and maybe you do go into your Zoom and they're not there. And perhaps you do set up a really, what you think is a great assignment or a scavenger hunt or a wellness room, and they just don't engage in it. And they're, they're, we've had those frustrations Mm-hmm. But it, it, I think it's key to see them as sort of uh, put them into context and then not to let that context sort of overshadow the long-term growth, which, isn't, which is not a loss. It's actually a gain. Yeah. So, 
those frustrations and those anxieties are part of the growth. We have to go through them. So we may experience those dips, those valleys in the, in the learning. And we have those frustrating, really frustrating days and we've all had them. Um, but then, but then we come out of it and we find ourselves kind of, uh, on a peak after a couple of days or whenever it could take months to get there or it could be the very next day. Um, but that, that growth does come, it does come because they, they are, they are absorbing something. They're learning something. It doesn't have to be from us. It can be from anywhere, but they are gaining. Um, and so we have to remember that, that this loss is, is a mythical creature that <laughs> has been created at some point, uh, by the system in order to keep us compliant and keep us in check. Uh, and I say us very collectively as students, as teachers, the entire system altogether. So, um, I think it is something that we have to keep in our, in the back of our minds, um, especially for those moments, like I've had so many this year where I'm just riddled with anxiety with, I don't know what to do next because we don't seem to be moving forward. But I think that we have all really been moving forward. Is it time for a commercial break? I think it is time for a commercial break. It is a great time for a commercial. And this episode is brought to you by Lined Paper because oh. they're looking for work. <laughs> and secondary, um, The Drive with Champav, Sunday nights, 8.30 to 10, it's music, it's teacher talk, and it's global connection. You can listen at Voicehead Radio or voicehead.ca, or you can listen at chayandpav.com slash radio. And another paid announcement <laughs> is from Che and Pav, mm. as we are advertising our blog, and we are looking for bloggers on our site that continue the dialogue and the conversation sparked from these episodes. Our episodes are not the learning. We are not gatekeepers. It's merely comments and reflections and, and our experiences and our wisdoms. But you have all the same things. They can take us in new journeys, new pathways, and we would love to keep this conversation going and thus collective growth and mutual learners. And those are our three sponsors. You can guess which one paid the bill. That was a long commercial break. Wander. 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 <laughs> I tried so hard not to laugh. <laughs> we are back, and maybe if if you turn your screens on, uh, off, uh, put your uh, no out of the uh, stop, stop in the chat, stop in the chat right now. Everyone, focus on me. Mm -hmm. Yes, eyes here, eyes here. Of course, I just joke. I don't. Just I'm middle no school. Eyes. I have I've not been kid turn a screen on in weeks. <laughs> Actually, only by accident. And there's so many apologies. Sorry, Mr. Janie. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to put my screen on. <laughs> Why are you apologizing? It's all good. It's all good. I'm not upset that you accidentally put your screen on. All is good. Um, Pat, we've had a fun conversation. Yeah, I think so. It's been a good conversation. You know, we haven't had our quote. Are you going to do this quote? Because you tracked this one down. There's a few of them on here. Oh, you're talking about... Oh, okay, so this yeah. Sunil Singh yes. quote is actually... It was... Uh, C'est bon, ça. Magnifique. It was not that long. It was about a month ago, April 25th. And uh, this, again, from Sunil Singh, because he's just done so much work on this and helped really guide our learning and, and, and has just really put it out there for like... Can, can I 
jump yeah, in for go a second? For it. I think because he's an active practitioner and I also think he's in a subject that mm. he really wants to disrupt. So when he disrupts the system and the learning skills and the, and the curriculum, he's not coming at it from a sort of, I don't know, like a, what's the right word? Like a trolling way. He's yeah. He's, he's an active practitioner and in a subject that is probably one of the most compliance oriented. And when I think of my own teaching, it's so yeah. easy to defer to rules right. and regulations. And tricks. That's right. And he brings, he, he wants you to, be magical and, 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 and explore the wonders of, of mathematics. And then he expands. So I think I just, I wanted to add that on there that he is truly an active practitioner. And these statements are just, they, they, they get you fired up. Let's mm -hmm. go. So this is a, a quote of his from a tweet. And I'm actually going to do two of Sunil Singh's tweet, uh, quotes because that's, that's, both, those are not the rules. No, no, those are, I'm not following any Are rules. you going to do quote, end quote, and then quote, end quote? Yes, absolutely. All right, now I'm ready. So I'm the, first one, the first one is a tweet by Sunil. Quote, phrases like learning loss and falling behind lost all their stock when the internet was invented. I have learned more about the world through a democratized space like YouTube than anywhere else, end quote. Oof, it reminds me of decentering yourself. Kids don't need us to find anything. That's right. And I highlighted that just a little while ago with so many of the things that my students have learned, have, have learned how to do this year, despite me. Right. So it's, 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 absolutely entirely correct it's like, oh cheney that was a cute way you tried to show me this but i went on the internet and i found you could do it this way this way this way this way this way this <laughs> exactly. way this way. and you have an app here here oh when i was trying to remove um the background on pictures like this is a tough one students this is a tough one you got and then i had three students boom 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 dropping three different apps putting the google class just go here just do here mr cheney you send me the picture i'll do it okay thanks <laughs> okay thanks why are we not putting them to work <laughs> All right. And the second one that I have is actually his very last line in the blog post, which we will add to the show notes so that you can go ahead and read that, uh, that blog post as well by Sunil Singh. And I quote, students are not falling behind. Education is. Students are not failing. Education is. I will leave it here with that sober clarity. End quote. Perfect. Yeah. Um, now, for us, it's not about, you know, where do you get your data? Sunil Singh would never even attest to be a gatekeeper. We know we really resonate with his words. We gravitate to, to his tweets and his spaces. He inspires us. He ignites us. And ultimately, I think as educators, you got to find those those spaces, those people that you really connect with. So I, we wouldn't say you have to follow Sunil Singh. Mm -hmm. Because that sort of goes against our own pedagogies and philosophy. But we do find his work really inspiring. But of course, you can find similar messages about uh, the fallacy of learning loss from a variety of other sources. And we don't want to necessarily say that we're the gatekeepers. That if you can go here, you can, you can learn too. This type of learning can be found anywhere, and this is one of our favorite places uh, to learn, and we were happy to share. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Sunil is an igniter for us. He does uh, sort of light that fire, and uh, we see something, and um, you know, it's, it's not, I don't want to say that it's sensationalized, but he uses language, and he, he brings attention to the, the point that he's trying to make, and it catches our attention. And then from there, we're like, oh, I want to know more about this. And so we 
we do quite a bit of reading. We do quite a bit of learning. We engage in a lot of Twitter chats. We, we talk to other educators. We, we learn about this stuff. And, and, and then we talk to each other as well. And we have this um, incredible platform that we get to speak with uh, every week. And, uh, and then we our learning just kind of goes from there. So uh, it's a huge snowball effect. And we're really, really happy about that. So please add to our learning as we go. Uh, do we have anywhere else to go with this one, Pat? Um, you know, I, I, I made all of the points pretty much that I, that I, that I wanted to make. Um, highlighting the fact that, you know, this is, this is an institutional construct, education, the system as we know it. And uh, I'm often reminded of Ken Robinson when, um, when we think about that. Edu- the education system that we have today has been created to be as efficient as possible and not efficient for learning's sake. We are not learning efficiently. We are just delivering, delivering and disseminating information as as efficiently as we possibly can. And as linearly as possible so That's we can right. monitor it and check it off at every possible stage because we really don't, we're not in a position to validate or celebrate learning if it's not in a, under our watch. That's right. Or if we can train it, trail it back down to say, ah, this is the reason. Exactly. And so when we are thinking about learning loss, um, we are definitely discrediting all of that non-quantifiable learning and growth that we've had uh, throughout this school year. We're, we're just basically saying, no, if, if learning loss has happened, that means that students haven't learned. And that's just simply not true. So that's, uh, that's where I wanted to go with this. And I think that, um, I think we've gotten our point across pretty well. We've had our reflections. Mm-hmm. I feel really good about the, our position. That doesn't mean that you can't have another perspective, a different position that'll channel our thinking or change our thinking or collectively grow. This is how we think right now, but it might not be how we think tomorrow morning. And I think that's part of the process of, of high quality learning, of being inquisitive and exploring and talking with people and being open and being engaged. And I think that's what this conversation reflects. This isn't us telling you that there's no learning loss. This is us just talking about the idea of learning loss and where we're at. And you can bring in uh, your spaces, your ideas, your perspectives. Or maybe you simply, not even simply, you continue to add on. You give us more things to think on that validate the same position. I'm sure there's components or perspectives on this that we haven't thought about. Should I get to a swag bag? Yeah, I think we're ready for a swag bag. Hold on a second. Let me check my notes because I hand wrote those. And you know how that goes. They look legible when I write them. Wander. No. And then when I get to them, I've had that twice. I, you can go back. Which episodes can you tell that I can't <laughs> read my notes when doing this swag bag? It's cute. No, please. Eh, they're all right. Okay. Let's give this a shot. That is an en- that I think I know some of the words in each of them. But importantly, all the music is on. And if the music goes louder, it's because I'm not sure what to say. It sort of bridge the gap. That's right. Yeah. Um. Pav, I had for hour, oh, let's push that a little bit more there. Just getting ready for the drive, practicing those fades. Um, challenging old norms for us. And that if we were okay with the idea that there was loss, that inherently we are supporting the norms, supporting the system, wanting a return to that. And so we want to be able to challenge that. It's part of the, the bigger pedagogy of disruption. Um... 
I'm not out here next. This is not chasing, catching up. This is celebrating and honoring all the rich learning our students have done and all the rich learning we have done. This growth truly has been mutual growth. It truly has been an era of co-creation. We have all been building this together. We have been gifted an opportunity. We have been gifted disruption. And it's our moral obligation to not revert back, to not attest to what Pat was talking about, that Ken Robinson, our, our, our educational path cannot just be linear and simple and easy to monitor. Let's embrace the layers of complexities and wonders of learning. I think one thing we talked about is, is we got to eradicate the deficit language. There's no loss here. It's actually educational debt. Let's leverage and put it back on our shoulders rather than having our students, our communities take the emotional burden of maybe they've lost something and they've got to work a little harder to keep up. No, 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 no. It's educational debt. We owe it to our students. We owe it to our communities to continue to create rich learning opportunities and celebrate those successes. And I think that was the last thing I had in my notes. We owe it to the students. We owe it to the community. Educational debt. That was a perfect swag bag, Che. Thank you so much for doing that for us to wrap up this amazing episode number 88, Learning Loss. Is it actually a thing? 12 away from retirement. That's not that far away. And only 10 years away from retirement. <laughs> of course, I've already established it on the commercials, but you can find everything we are up to at chanpav.com. We have associations with Voicehead Radio for the drive. Mm-hmm. And Pav, you can talk a little bit more about the drive later. We have associations with Codebreakers. We're ambassadors. And we have our associations with Teach Better, where you can find us on their network. But all that information is available at chanpav.com, the hottest webpage there is. Tune into The Drive every Sunday evening starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time all the way to 10 p.m. A great way to start off your work week, end off your weekend with some fantastic music, great community, and some great edu conversation. Everyone, thank you for joining the Staff Room with Che and Pav, or perhaps thank you for joining Che and Pav in the Staff Room <laughs> with Episode 88. Until next time. Pav, that's your cue. See you next time, everybody. Perfect. Wander. (laughs) Wander. Wander. Screen on. Screen off.